we also looked at like, well, what's the potential of women? And if women were able to grow and scale their businesses at the rates of men, we could contribute $12 trillion to the global economy. So there's a humanitarian case and a business case for what we're doing. Welcome to And Then Everything Changed, a podcast about the pivotal moments in life and decisions that define us. I'm your host, Ronit Plank. Today, my guest is Laurel Ann Stark, who's the CEO and founder of Resurgio.co, the only web app designed to support self-employed women to succeed. Just last year, Resurgio.co released the first ever report looking into the state of female entrepreneur mental health, which showed that entrepreneurial women face an above average risk of mental illness due to gender obstacles, isolation, and feelings of being overwhelmed. Welcome, Laurel. Hi, Ronit. So, so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy that you're here and that we have this very timely conversation. I I have so much to ask you. I guess the first thing I want to find out is, I mean, could you have ever predicted how vital your your platform would be when you created it? Gosh, no, no, not at all. And it's kind of funny because obviously, you know, as a as a person, I don't want people to be, you know, experiencing mental health challenges. But as a businesswoman, I'm thrilled. You know, <laughs> right? Very honest, right from that, right out of the gate. I appreciate that. So, um, so can you take me back to your early work experience and and just you know how you came to realize that this was needed? Yeah, sure. I would love to. I, I basically had this kind of moment. So I'm, I'm married and I'm not loving it. <laughs> and I've got three stepkids and a dog and I'm running my own business and I am so busy and mm. I'm not, yeah, I'm not doing very well. My acupuncturist said that my, my organs were completely depleted. I was like super stressed out all the time. I had really bad anxiety, really mm. um, horrible negative persistent negative thoughts, trouble sleeping. I was consistently crying a lot, that sort of thing. And were um, you were you aware? I want to just ask about the anxiety because mm-hmm. I feel like it's becoming a little more of a topic that people discuss. And I think that anxiety can show up in so many different ways. And so for you, do you know, can you talk a little bit about how it was manifesting and also what you've come to understand about the symptoms of anxiety? Sure. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, so I had the opportunity to do my first keynote talk in front of like between three and 500 people. And the night before, I was literally like lying on my living room floor crying, being like, Mm -hmm. I can't do this. I don't know how, Mm -hmm. like what part of me thought that this was going to be an okay decision. Like this is not, I can't. And then Mm -hmm. just physically vibrating on the way to the the talk. And that happened a lot. I would get like really flustered. Like I had a, my first session with a really big client, a really new client. And I just, my hands would be shaking and I would sort of get, yeah, overwhelmed and flustered. Mm. And I would end up being late, even though I left early, but mm-hmm. just something about trying to find parking and, and wanting to not be late and wanting to be perfect as I showed up. And had you experienced anxiety when you were younger or did you did you understand that this was different from how you used to be? You know, I didn't even really know what the hell was going on. Mm-hmm. I, To be honest with you, like I am really good at keeping myself busy as a way to distract myself from how I feel. I'm like mm. just a rock star at that. And so <laughs> subsequently, the only way that I really realized that I wasn't doing well is I started putting these little smiley faces or sad faces on the top corner of my day timer mm. just to, because I was kind of getting worried. I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know how long I've been feeling this way. Like maybe I should start keeping track. And then it was after I had like th- 
more sad faces in three weeks than not, I was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. no, we're not doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's so easy to I think it's only been a couple days or it's been longer or shorter than it has been. And for me, anxiety was just like one of the pieces. I also came to learn later the name of it is hypomania. But, you know, I'd be up at like 2 a.m. like whiteboarding these like kind of in a, a light manic state. Mm whiteboarding like a million business ideas and I couldn't sleep and I'd be so excited and 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 then that compromises my ability to you know perform the next day that sort Mm -hmm. of thing so that was happening trying to get to sleep it was either anxiety or persistent negative thoughts yeah the whole gamut Mm -hmm. and did you have therapy were you in therapy (laughs) were you you, sorry I shouldn't even laugh like that it's like evil but um were you in therapy at this time I was in marriage counseling um Mm. So I was in between therapists. And one of the important things that I learned about marriage counselors is typically their mission is more to keep the marriage together than to help the individuals in the Mm. marriage individually. So I was I, I wasn't aware that there was sort of a bias there. Yeah. Until way after the fact. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so, I was in therapy, but it wasn't really helpful to me. Mm-hmm. OK, so this is and this is how many years ago? Um, I'm going to say like 2018, 17, 16, somewhere in there. Wow, Those years pretty were a bit blurry. recently, pretty recently. Yeah. So what was your moment of, you know, can you talk about the next kind of phase and what happened? Because it sounds like you must have reached a breaking point. Yeah, for sure. So um, what basically happened was, um, so I had sort of, Two, two realizations. But first of all, I was like, okay, I'm not doing well. So then that's when I started to go to acupuncture um, more regularly and start to really think about like, okay, like how can I start to feel better? But also it was around that time that I stumbled across the article done by Dr. Michael Freeman, or rather it's a research study out of Berkeley University that stated that um, entrepreneurs are directly affected by mental illness at a rate of 72%, which is mm. roughly three times the global average. Mm. And Ronit, I just like, it felt like like everything slid into focus. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this explains everything. Like mm-hmm. I'm not, it's not just me. I'm not like this abnormal human. Like, and I, I went and I read the the research report and I was like, hypomania, that's what this whiteboarding oh. 2 a.m. stuff is. Mm-hmm. And then the crash is the depression piece. And like, oh my God. And it's genetic. And, mm-hmm. and it just, it really gave me a lot of relief. It gave me a sense of belonging and a feeling that you know, maybe if other people were experiencing what I was experiencing, then there could be a solution. Mm-hmm. So. Did they did they identify it all? Because the first thing that popped into my head is sort of the chicken or the egg. You know, it, it, are people who become entrepreneurs wired differently and they develop these kinds of patterns as things get out of hand? Or is the idea of being an entrepreneur enough to send 72% of people into this place? (laughs) That's a really great question. And I think it's, the answer is like, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, But what they were able to identify is that there's a genetic component. Mm -hmm. So that most entrepreneurs have the experience of someone close to them suffering from mental illness and there are links between extreme productivity and bipolar Mm -hmm. and so the thesis you know and i'll I'll leave it to dr michael freeman to say it explicitly because he's Mm -hmm. very much a scholar and very much a scientist and he will be very precise but from Mm -hmm. my understanding is that there's a genetic component to entrepreneurialism which kind of gives you this ability to have a higher risk tolerance Mm -hmm. which is required because if you look at the statistics of failure for starting your own business it's it's super high so like Mm. it's a it's a bad idea Mm. it's it's not (laughs) logical it's not smart so you kind of have to have this like gene that's that's uh allowing you to be uh, to have that higher risk tolerance and that's the sort of piece where hypomania comes in where you are making decisions that may not be 
so great for you. They're just, mm. you know, really optimistic. So it's genetic. And then mm-hmm. the downside of that is, you know, the hypomania has a bit of a crash to it, which is m- what most people notice is the depression. Uh, they don't notice the up. They don't notice mm. the sort of high piece because that's, you know, rewarded by society. It feels good, all those things. Mm. But that sort of oscillating back and forth, um, it leads to substance use, um, possibly problematically. Um, and and then, of course, the entrepreneurial lifestyle where you're working all the time, maybe not sleeping so much, maybe not eating so well, maybe not making time for friends and family and exercise. Then, of course, that lifestyle compounds and creates adverse mental health mm-hmm. uh, situations for people. So, yeah, it's, mm. it's both. And then I would imagine if you, if you don't even have a chance to breathe or remember what you used to feel like, the whole thing just snowballs. It's so easy to become this new version of yourself, I think, that isn't isn't whole or or kind of holistically sound, right? It's like this piece of you that is no longer representative of who all of you could be. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, capitalism demands it. Like we mm. end up packaging ourselves as a saleable product, right? Mm-hmm. So saleable products don't have meltdowns in the middle of the living room floor. Like they mm-hmm. simply do not. Mm-hmm. So we have to sort of compartmentalize and and we're also rewarded like societally culturally we're rewarded for you know the hustle and grind it's so pervasive that piece of the entrepreneurial culture Mm. that like you have to sacrifice now to have what other people uh, like won't sacrifice for and it's it's glorified pushing yourself to extreme mental physical and emotional limits Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's almost like being like a business athlete or something like an all-star athlete so so after this reading this report what were your next steps what happened after you had this giant aha Yeah. So then I got obsessed as a good little entrepreneur does. (laughs) And I was like, okay, so if this is a major problem, like, is there a solution? And I did like 10 or 15 hours of research myself on the web, just like typing in like entrepreneurial mental health support, blah, blah, blah. I couldn't find anything. And then I was like, okay, maybe I'm just not, you know, finding it properly. So I asked my assistant, I give her a budget of 20 hours to look as well. Mm -hmm. And she came up with the same answer. There was nothing like Mm -hmm. squat, nothing. And I was like, what? (laughs) And then I had two more sort of pieces of news come across my desk that that really set me on the journey to Resurgo, although I didn't know it at the time. The first was the Me Too movement happened around then. Mm-hmm. And just the statistics around how frequent and prevalent uh, sexual assault and sexualized violence is among women. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know that the stats were as high as they are. Even though I'm a survivor myself, I was like, you know, mm-hmm. we tend to deny and minimize. And so that made me start thinking like, well, so if we have entrepreneurs that are directly affected by mental illness at a rate three times the global average, so we've got like three out of four are suffering with some sort of mental health condition. Mm-hmm. And now if we look at them and they're female and we have, you know, say over 70% of women have experienced sexualized violence. Um, if we put those two things together, like that's going to be really bad for that one person. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And then McLean's magazine in Canada came out with the wage gap issue and Again, I was completely aghast. I couldn't believe it. I honestly thought we were at gender parity. So, you know, I'm just mm-hmm. so naive. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that the wage gap in Canada was still 72 cents on the dollar. So I was like looking at those three different studies and three different sort of uh, movements and, and realizing like, oh, my gosh, when we compound this stuff, like if this was happening to one woman mm-hmm. and I'm looking at myself in the mirror, mm-hmm. I'm like, if this is happening to one woman, which it is right now, you know, <laughs> she's going to be having a bad time. And so I started to write a book about it. Mm. Yeah. 
And and <laughs> I was like, and um, you're like, oh, that's what I did. Um, so at this time, though, did you? It sounds like you recognized yourself, and there was sort of this uh, relief there. Did you yeah. also find, aside from all your research and your entrepreneurial um, tools to sort of ameliorate this, did you find any other support? Did you seek out any type of other counseling or something to help you while you were in this research and book writing zone? Yeah, absolutely. So I ended up getting the advice from my marriage counselor that I had to either accept the fact that my husband would not respect my boundaries or get divorced. Hmm. So I left. Mm -hmm. That really did assist with improving my mental health. I immediately started going to therapy every two weeks after that Mm -hmm. and um, continued to go to acupuncture and realized that I was not in a good place and that I needed to really start taking care of myself. Also, hired a personal trainer to sort of force me to move my body because yeah if left to my own devices I will like laptop hunch for -hmm. like 16 hours straight and just work so those were some of the main steps that I took pretty much it but it was enough Mm -hmm. to it was enough to really start to change how I was feeling about myself Um, specifically within therapy EMDR has really Mm -hmm. been absolutely transformative for me it deals with trauma and I'm a trauma survivor. I've got complex PTSD. So um, that is certainly a factor. But I wasn't diagnosed at the time. So getting a diagnosis was super helpful as well. Yeah. And I, I do want to ask a little bit about that. You've mentioned being a survivor and trauma. And can I ask uh, when in your life those occurred? Yeah, sure. So the first was, I would say I was like 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. And a 23 year old boy did not ask for consent. Mm-hmm. So that was the first. And I've had other um, sexualized violence uh, occurrences throughout my life. And the thing that's so interesting to me is that it's it's not like a bad guy in an alleyway. It's always someone you know. It's always mm-hmm. someone you know and, and you care about usually. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really important for women to know that occurred. And I grew up a situation where, you know, um, emotional safety was a luxury that we didn't have. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that that characterizes kind of what um, what I have been dealing with in my life. And then as a result, I've been in several relationships that have been emotionally abusive Mm -hmm. and that has sort of compounded everything. So, and that's what complex PTSD is, is when you have just like trauma after trauma after trauma Mm -hmm. and how I coped initially with these situations. Cause I didn't really know what, like what the names of these things were until way Mm -hmm. later. Mm -hmm. So I basically was a alcoholic drinker from 15 to 30. So Mm -hmm. I spent 15 years, um, most of those years in a blackout. So of course, trauma Mm -hmm. occurs from that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I was uh, able to function and run my business. And I definitely had sort of these two personas, which is what I hear pretty unhealthy. But yeah, so that's the the trauma piece. So you had a, a real lot there. And it sounds like what you said about not having emotional safety in your home, my my deduction from that would be that you probably, when you were assaulted uh, with someone by someone you knew when you were 14 or any other things that were happening, probably you had very few people you could turn to to get support or any kind of affirmation that you needed to be protected. Oh yeah, that wasn't that wasn't a thing at all. Um, yeah, like I said, all of these sort of contextualizing and naming and understanding. Mm-hmm these situations like has only occurred fairly recently where I'm like oh that was assault damn Mm -hmm. you know because I think it's it's difficult for us to name these things when we don't have the education around it Mm -hmm. I think when we don't have it modeled I don't I think when um yeah there's not really like I said like the luxury of emotional safety so no I I wasn't um I didn't have a ton of 
support in that capacity as a young person. And so mm-hmm. I, I definitely failed my way forward mm-hmm. to this place. So, so, so what's your relationship with alcohol like now? Oh, it is um, politely declined. I've been sober for over nine years. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I had to. I, I turned 30 and I was like, this is not, this is not, uh, this is not okay. I can't do mm-hmm. this anymore. So I, I got help. And that's been a huge piece of helping me with my mental health um, specifically. And I find that those are tools that I can use, you know, every single day, not you know, alcohol notwithstanding. So, yeah, I just tell everybody that I already drank all my drinks, my allotted <laughs> lifetime drinks, and I, I love alcohol, and I have nothing bad to say about it, and I have nothing bad to say about people who drink. It just, for me personally, the cost was too high mm-hmm. to uh, continue. So, yeah. Yeah, and so I wonder, I wonder how much of what you've experienced and what you've come to realize makes you feel like I feel like you're sort of a warrior advocate for other women entrepreneurs who have gone through similar experiences some or all of what you've gone through to to try to get better um is it seems like you have a mission oh yeah I sure do because the cool part or the horrible part depending on your perspective about all of this is as I'm doing all this research and I'm writing this book and I'm getting obsessed with these statistics and things Mm -hmm. you know I'm seeing I'm seeing like women that I'm working with or mentoring, I'm seeing their blocks and I'm seeing that they've had the same experiences. And I'm like, oh my God, this is not just, Mm -hmm. this is not just me or a select few. It's like so common, so many, and especially because I'm a business and marketing consultant, uh, in addition to the founder of Resurgio, um, especially with respect to self-promotion and seeing women struggle with that. And it's like, we're so socialized to be small and accommodating Mm -hmm. and agreeable and to not advocate for ourselves and to see women struggle with, you know, starting to advocate for yourself and take up space and, and be seen and be heard. I was just like, you know, I'm not a therapist, but man, this looks like trauma to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. And and so when you think back to this, the person you were, you know, what do you think would have happened? I mean, do you think you would have found your way had you not seen that report by Freeman? I mean, you think about these these things that happen in our lives and how lucky we are when things, when when we run into articles or people that sort of change our trajectory is there ever a part of you that wonders where you would be had you not seen that or had you not gotten out of your marriage hmm you know I don't I think I would have found my way anyway Mm -hmm. I had this like feeling for years prior to starting to work on the book I just had this feeling I was like you know feel like I'm supposed to do more on the planet than just be a social media girl, mm-hmm. which is such a condescending thing. But that's what people used to call me. I'm like, I'm a woman, goddammit. But <laughs> um, yeah, and so I just had this gnawing feeling. I'm like, oh, there's more, there's more. So that was sort of fueling the the research that I was doing. And I was, um, you know, going to like tea leaf readers and like writers mm-hmm. workshops and all kinds of stuff. Just I was I was seeking the thing that, that I think was seeking me. So I think mm-hmm. I would have found it and maybe would have taken me longer or what have you. But I really do feel... Like, I literally feel like this is the reason I'm on the planet. This is the work I'm supposed to be doing. It just, it's like, I'm so uniquely qualified. Like, it it mm. must be. <laughs> mm, yeah. It's like you almost found the niche, but also are creating a need for the niche, but also answering the need for the niche. It's like, once people can name it and understand what it is that they're missing and what support they need, then you have the tools to offer. So can you talk a little bit about Resurgio and, and what you what you try to do with the people who you work with? And, and I should mention, too, that um, any of my listeners know that I don't offer and highlight companies or brands or anything like that. That's not really what this podcast is about, but I feel 
in, in the case of what you've created and what you're doing that it's so important because so many entrepreneurs, so many women listen to my show and I want to offer them this idea of, you know, ownership for their experience. So I just wanted to say that because it's not often that I'm like, tell us about your business, you know, yeah, but yeah. I am in this case. Well, thank you so much, Renee. And I feel like it's not a business. I feel like it's a it's a necessary, you know, social impact movement, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you. So the book turned into a research report, which is called The State of Female Entrepreneur Mental Health. And I find it so wild that me, like a university dropout, was the person to co to lead this report. Um, so what we did is we looked at over 200 different independent studies, both um, peer-reviewed and sort of more casual web polls. And uh, we looked at those 200 studies. We did our own web research, and we came out with like exactly what the experience of being a female entrepreneur is like statistically like what are the obstacles that we're facing and you know looking at things like the wage gap how prevalent is it um how prevalent is like postpartum like these types of things and i feel like this piece of knowledge is incredibly important for every female entrepreneur even not necessarily to read the whole thing but to even look at the infographic just to understand like these are the cards that you're dealt mm -hmm. and i'm like clapping as i'm saying like these are the cards you're dealt and once you know the cards that you've been dealt, then you can, you know, plan your work and your life effectively. So one of the biggest things that I noticed was a problem in terms of what's available in the marketplace is that you can get help for your mental health over here, like on the left, and you can get help <laughs> for your business over here on the right. But it's so siloed. And to me, mm. and every woman that I work with, like business is so deeply personal. And when you're not doing well, when you're in a shitty marriage, or you're dealing with, you know, the after effects of trauma from abuse and assault, or you're getting bombarded with like, hey, uh, and like whatever kind of photos on the internet, mm -hmm. and you know, you're not getting paid enough and all this stuff, it's, it's impossible to do well in your business or as well as you could be doing. So we also looked at like, well, what's the potential of women? And if women were able to grow and scale their businesses at the rates of men, we could contribute $12 trillion to the global economy. So there's a humanitarian mm -hmm. case and a business case for what we're doing. So we are developing the very first web app specifically designed to support self-employed women with everything they need to do better and feel better in their life and in their business. So mm -hmm. it's not just like you know, oh, we'll help you with your business plan. It's like, oh, girl, like, do you know if you have trauma? We should check that out first, you know? And like, mm -hmm. are you on the birth control pill? Because if you are, like, you're going to be depressed. Mm -hmm. And like, have you ever had a failed pregnancy? Because if you have, like, you're either going to be really depressed or you're going to be really prone to using substances. Mm -hmm. And just to, like, give people the heads up on, you know, what their specific situation is like and what they need to kind of watch out for. And then to be able to provide support in the palm of their hand 24 seven for less than the price of a manicure. So mm. that's what we're doing. Yes, that's really amazing, especially because when you name, I feel personally when you name an issue or you name a sadness or you name something that doesn't feel right, it doesn't make it bigger in my experience. It helps to start dealing with it. You know, the things that go unnamed in my experience actually are the ones that get bigger. Agreed. Agreed, mm -hmm. absolutely. It's, I find it so powerful to have a name. And when you have a name and the language to discuss your experience, then you can connect with others who've had the similar experience. And then you can begin to figure out, you know, what you need to do to move past it or change your reality. Mm -hmm. But without a name, it's just this sort of feeling. And, you know, we, we, we feel so differently through our cycles. Like every week is different. So it mm -hmm. can be hard to pin down. Is this an internal reality or an external reality? Or what's, 
what's happening so it's also interesting too and and i guess we're kind of talking around this or maybe i haven't really teased this out enough but it's it's important like the part that it's for women entrepreneurs is really important like because i think as entrepreneurs like you said women don't always speak for themselves in a way that men do they don't always maybe promote themselves it's a little bit more of a learning thing and it's also important to realize that your experience as a woman you know whether it's because of assault or whether it's because of losses or whether it's because of kind of any kind of sex or prejudice you've experienced or hormones, you are different from male entrepreneurs. You're different from men. And so you're not saying you have to be the same or you have to ignore your womanhood. You are basically saying, no, like let's cradle that womanhood and see what we can do to make sure you're the best you can be. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you're exactly right. We are different, not just you know, biologically and everything, but we we just experience the world differently. We have different obstacles in our way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you mentioned like gender bias and things like that and the pay gap. And of, of course, you know, lack of childcare support, um, mm-hmm. hormones, there's all kinds of things that men don't have to deal with. And by not providing that, that gender lens on the support that we're giving to female entrepreneurs, we are utterly failing them. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that so many studies, even the Shark Tank, Kevin Leary, Kevin O'Leary, I think, mm-hmm. he says that he he prefers to invest in female entrepreneurs because you know what? We outperform our male counterparts <laughs> more often. We're more profitable. We have better culture. The statistics are all there. So it pays off to invest in female entrepreneurs. It pays off to support us in the ways that we specifically need support with. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I'm here to do. And and can you talk a little bit about the COVID response and what you're seeing in the people who come to you? And also, there's been a lot written about how the gender gap is growing because of COVID. Yeah, the gender gap is growing because of COVID. We've got, you know, one out of five women dropping out of the workforce because their at-home labor Mm -hmm. is too great. I think it's an absolute failing of our respective governments to provide adequate support uh, for mothers, especially now they have to do teaching as well. Like before the pandemic, women were doing two and a half hours of labor for Mm -hmm. free in the household. If you're married with kids or you're cohabitating and you have kids, two and a half hours for for free and then you add teacher on top of it and then you add trying to work from home as well and the stress on top of that so it's uh, it is almost a a gender pandemic as far as we're seeing in terms of the numbers it's impacting women far far greater Um, women typically end up in service positions as well which of course are are not deemed essential services for whatever Mm -hmm. reason so they're being more impacted financially from a mental health perspective from a labor perspective it's it's horrifying to see. Mm-hmm. I think we are losing, you know, years and years and years of progress uh, with women in the workforce. And I think that our, our governments are absolutely failing, failing women and failing to support them properly. Mm-hmm. So are you offering extra tools or resources or is your team addressing this at all in a different way because of the pandemic? Honestly, for us, it's about the same in terms of the fact that women are under-resourced and underserviced. period. Mm-hmm. So we do offer lots of free trainings, and we, I do have a Facebook group called um, um, Mental Health Awareness. Is it Female Entrepreneur Mental Health Awareness? Yeah, and we're in there every day. It's free support. You can chat, log in, ask questions, ask for support, whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. I guess the short answer is that no, our, our support services aren't any different because of COVID, because as far as I'm concerned, the state of female entrepreneur mental health was already at like crisis mode Mm -hmm. so we're just Mm -hmm. still in crisis mode it looks different though like slightly different Mm so our response is the same our our message is the same our resources are the same and that's unfortunate but you know what currently we're self-funded we did have a crowdfunding campaign which was which was very successful but we aren't backed by venture capitalists we don't have angel investors you know women only get 
less than 5% of investment money anyway. Mm. It's much more difficult for us to get loans. So we are, like every other woman out there, under-resourced and with incredibly uh, full plates in terms of labor. So we are challenged by that to, to provide support to our community effectively. Mm-hmm. So uh, where can people find you? Where would you like them most to connect with you to learn more? Thanks so much for asking. If you go to resurgo.co, you can sign up for news events and to know when the product is available for use. You can also find us on Instagram where we can be found posting woody memes <laughs> and statistics and things like that. So yeah, I would say the website resurgo.co to go sign up mm-hmm. and just drop your email if you want to get notifications. And then also on Instagram, resurgo.co. And we're on Facebook and, and everywhere online as well. Great. And before I let you go, Laurel, I was curious, how do you feel these days in your work-life balance, your personal life balance versus work? So I still find it a struggle. Honestly, like my proclivity is to be a workaholic. Mm -hmm. I just... You know, it's so rewarding, but I am, you know, once again, bouncing back from, you know, a close brush with burnout. So I'm really prioritizing my health. I just cut out um, caffeinated coffee and that was like a huge, that's a huge thing for me. I used to drink like three liters a day, especially when I was crowdfunding and my adrenals were just like, um, girl, no, that is not sustainable. (laughs) So switch that out and... As a result, I just found that I, I like literally just didn't have any gas in the tank. So I've had mm. to be really careful with how I allocate my energy. Even though we are running like a tech startup, I've had to really pull back from the amount of time I spend on social media. I find it like pretty difficult and sort of toxic to engage with. And I think we're all experiencing Zoom burnout as well. And yeah, I just make sure that I, I implement the tools that I've learned and that I suggest for, for the women I work with. You know, I make sure I just create a uh, basically a structure for myself where I've got social engagements, I've got physical movement in my day, I have a habit and routine of meditating. So I'm also still going to therapy, still going to acupuncture. Mm -hmm. And those things keep me really accountable to, because I hate looking at their faces when they're like, you did what? Or like, (laughs) or like, you have gotten worse. I also, I forgot to mention this. Yeah, I just started, um, about six months ago or so going to a naturopath to just make sure that my hormones were okay Mm. because I went to my white male doctor and he was just like you're fine and I was like dude I'm telling you I'm not fine and he's like no no no, you're fine I'm like wow I feel so heard and seen thank you so much for for this Um, (laughs) so I went to a naturopath and we're in the process of balancing some hormones and honestly that's helped tremendously as well so I think I'm in I know I'm in a way, way better spot than I was, you know, when I had my aha moment. And it's, a, you know, it hasn't been easy, certainly, to get to this point, but it's definitely been worth it. And and do you see a place for a romantic relationship in your future? Yeah, I'm actually in one right now, and it's the healthiest one I've ever been in. Oh. Yeah, so I feel like I've, all that work in therapy has paid off. I've been able to break some patterns and learn how to, um, one of the big things that I think was a pattern of behavior that was really unhelpful was just like not when someone shows you who they are like believe them you know that saying like I wouldn't I'd be like oh are those red flags let me knit a scarf like (laughs) let me introduce you to my family like just oh god and now I'm like no you're a red flag like it just yeah um so having discernment having the ability to like have better tools to like cope with conflict and like you know, stating what my needs are and processing emotion and, and like not being codependent and all that stuff. I feel like I've learned so much in the last mm-hmm. couple of years that I'm able to participate as a healthy human in a healthy relationship. So I'm so um, happy I'm, to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, me too. I'm stoked. It's That's going well. That's really hard work. I mean, that is, believe me, I've been there and it's really hard work to, to get to that place of, you know, changing yourself in a relationship. So, and yourself just anyway. 
So exactly. that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, Laurel, thank you. I, I'm really happy to share what you're doing. And I really, I'm glad that you're here and you're doing this work to help other women. And I, it seems like you have boundless energy. And I know that that's, you know, you have to take care of yourself in order to have that boundless energy. <laughs> you know, you know, I have, I have boundless passion for this project. I'm so, I feel so privileged to be able to work on it. And thank you so much for, for giving me the opportunity to share uh, a little bit about my story and how this got to be where it is, as well as being able to share uh, about the actual business itself. Our, our mission is to help self-employed women feel better so they can do better, right? And who doesn't yeah. want that? Thank you for listening to And Then Everything Changed. For more on this episode, photos, and other episodes you might like, please visit atecpodcast.com. You can connect with me and learn more about episodes on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram also. Just search for my name, Ronit Plank, R-O-N-I-T-P-L-A-N-K, and you will find all the updates. If you like this podcast, please remember to subscribe and also rate and review so other people can find it. Thank you so much for listening.